Essays 33 and 34 of The Romance of the Commonplace by Gillette Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Essay 33, A Plea for the Precious. Now, if a youth as mad-headed as I, without bookishness or literary education of any sort, with neither much of anything to say nor much desire to say anything, if such a charlatan would have his wares bought and his words read he must be antic beyond his contemporanes a shorter word than the english equivalent whereby i go forward one step in brevity and back two in translation he must pique curiosity and tempt the reader on he must pay a contango which is by the same token a premium paid for the privilege of deferring interest he must in short be precious a quality essentially self-conscious this has been at times a popular pose in letters and when successful it is a sufficiently amusing one as poses go but i name no names for the sake of the others who fall between the stools of purpose and pretense who tie as one might say two one-legged beggars together and think they have made a whole man if i have lured you so far into the web of my vagary pray come into my parlour too and be hung for the whole sheep that you are that i may fleece you close with my sophistries before you go i have but one toy here to amuse you i juggle idioms and balance phrases upon my pen and whether you laugh at me or with me i care not moi but as seriously as is possible seriousness is not my present pose i assure you i would i might wheedle some of your dogged clogged rugged ragged fagged foggy wits out of you and constrain you to accept my pinchbeck for true plate the while for i have a little sense in my alloy after all and you might go further and fare the worse than by my chatter if i dared i would jump boldly into my thesis without apologies but it so happens that it is one that should be itself its own illustration i should convince you of its truth by its own garment of expression instead of depending upon my logical introductory presentation but this i fear to try my pistols i fear are as the duchess of malfi might say loaded with nothing but perfumes and kissing comfits now that you are well a-muddled and like to turn to a saner page let me buttonhole you with one clean statement while you stand gasping indeed i fear that a dozen have fled already from my gibbering and i speak to but one sullen survivor determined to collect his promised interest we know then the joy of colour taste sound and odour as mere sensual gratifications undiluted with significance but since i seldom read i have never seen the apology for the sensual pleasures of diction pure and simple in its essence swinburne i hear has his lilts and harmonies in poesy and perhaps that is the nearest like except for the purpose that drives his chariot but i am for that runaway mood that gallops gaily forth into nowhere unguided and unrestrained a twenty bookmen shall come up to me no doubt with their index fingers set upon examples but i am happier in my ignorance and i prefer to think it has not yet been done or at least not exactly as i mean 
indeed you may depend upon me to evade proof with some quibble your didactic prose is a wane pulled over the hard city streets fiction is the jaunting car that paddles down the by-side lane poetry wallops you along the bridle path with your mistress muse on a pillion and but very rarely dares cross country over a low hedge or two but always after some fleeting hair of thought but i i am for the reckless run over the moor and downs the riderless random enthusiasm of nonsense so out of my way gentlemen of the red coats or i bowl you down mazeppa might do for a figure but his steed was hampered with the load his runaway had too savage an import and it is my purpose to be only a little mad pegasus is a forbidden metaphor nowadays he is hackneyed by the livery of vulgar stables i prefer that black horse banned and terrible who flicked out the eyes of the second calendar as my mount is like to serve me in the sonata is an exemplification of my theory there now is a vehicle that carries no passengers save what one's fancy lades it with it charges and soars with no visible rein to guide it except when a thread of melody steers it into some little course of delight so there is a secret rhythm in the best prose that is more subtle than the metres of verse and which is to the essay what the expression of the face is to the talker one may indeed use that same word expression or gesture instead of the common term style but a common or house observation shows us that there is some pleasure in the face whose lips are dumb and i dare say there is joy for the coxcomb and the female fop in the unworn gown as it hangs on its lonely nail or is draped on the lay figure of meaningless meaningful form so it is to such harebrains and cockatoos i appeal come to my masquerade and let us for a wild half-hour wear the spangles and tights of palistric impropriety hid by a visor that shall not betray our thought in this lesser pantomime one may be irrelevant inconsequent and immature and sport the flower of thought that has not yet fruited into purpose can you find your way through this frivolity mixed metaphor and tricksy phrase and see what a wanton a paragraph may become when one sends it forth free from the conventional moralities of licensed literature i have been to many such debauch and have got so drunk on adjectives that i thought all my thoughts double in this harlequinade too there are more games than my promised sonata i will mock you the mill in the forest or any other descriptive piece with coloured words parodying your orchestra with graphic nonsense i will paint the charms of the dance in seductive syllables or no better the long forthright swing of the skater this way that way fast and faster the ice king's master the nibble of the cold the brush of the rasping breeze the little rascally hubbies where the wind has pimpled the surface and the dark blue-black slippery glare beyond where damn it i shock you with a raucous expletive and you plunk into a dash of ice-cold remonstrance up to your ears and flounder cold and dripping tooth loose and grey with fright 
so at the expense of good taste and to the grief of the judicious i force my point upon you on god messieurs and answer me i find few enough who can play the game with me or for me the age of chivalry is gone in horsemanship as well as in feats of arms and sword-play who knows the demi-volte the caracole the curvet the capriole or the rest of the seven movements who is elegant in the high menage or raised airs who prances for the sheer delight of gallant rhetoric on litotes astiasm or onomatopoeia fain would i be bedeviled but the magi are passed away i must fall back on dr johnson's pious flimflam but the humours of his verbiage are in me not in him yet the new century carnival is proclaimed and over the water there are i hear a few who are to revel with king rex in the empire of unreason on this side the nearest we have got to it is a little machine made nonsense ground out for the suppositious amusement of babes but what i mean is neither second childhood nor bombast nor buffoonery nor silliness nor even insanity though that is nearest the mark but a tipsy hell-raising with this wine of our fine old english speech it has been too long corked up and cobwebbed by tradition sanctified to the elect and discreetly dispensed at decorous dinner-tables by respectable authors and ladies with three names who also write it has been too long sipped and tasted mincingly out of the cut-glass goblets of the literary table gentlemen inebriates all i wave you the red flag a torch this way what ho roisterers up younglings squadlings dapchecks devil-may-cares and mad-mannered blades to the devil with the tip-staves and tithing men constables beadles vergers deputy sheriffs and long-lipped parsons a raid on the wine-cellar to break flagons of good english and drink 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 till your heads spin there is joy and intoxication in the jolly old bottles that shakespeare and his giddy-phrased buccaneering crew of poets filled by gad slid i scorn it to be a consort for every humdrum hang them scroils essay thirty four sub rosa perhaps i am as discreet honourable and loyal as the ordinary man but i confess that at times i have a frantic desire to escape to the moon and tell all i know or to unburden myself of the weight of dynamic confidences pouring my revelations into the ears of some responsive idiot in the old days a corpse was fastened to the felon's back in punishment of certain crimes and to me a secret seems almost as deadly a load the temptation to vivify the tale and make it walk abroad on its own legs is hard to deny there are secrets so dangerous that to possess them is foolhardy it is like storing dynamite in one's drawing-room an explosion is always imminent and publication would mean disaster i have known secrets myself so outrageous so bulging with scandal that had i not promptly forgotten them they would have undone society twenty times over there is a titillating pleasure in the keeping of such terrific truths and it increases one's inward pride to think that one knows of another what if told would change the aspect of a life 
the temptation to tell is like being in church and suddenly seized with an almost irresistible impulse to shriek aloud or like standing at the verge of a cliff and being impelled to throw oneself over to give way to the perfidious thought means moral death and when one falls one brings others down as well many of us though we conceit ourselves to be worthy of trust are as regards our secrets in a state of unstable equilibrium women seeing and feeling things more personally and subjectively than men are especially hazardously poised so long as the friendship with the confidant is preserved the secret is safe but let estrangement come and suddenly the balance becomes top-heavy one's morality falls and the secret escapes in the crash of anger i have known women who felt themselves quite free to tell secrets when the proper owner of them proved guilty of unfaithfulness the difference in viewpoint of the sexes seems to be this men have a definite code of honour certain well-recognized laws of conduct acknowledged even by those who do not always obey them the brand of the dog is upon him by whom is a secret revealed if a woman is honourable in the man's sense of the term it is a test of her individual character and not of conformity to any feminine ethical system most men for instance and some women especially when influenced by love or great friendship will keep a competence not only passively but actively as kipling's hafiz teaches if there be trouble to her word and a lie of the blackest can clear lie while thy lips can move or a man is alive to hear it seems right too that in lesser cases one is justified in lying to protect one's own secret as in disavowing the authorship of an anonymous book for one surely need not be at the mercy of every questioner the true confidant is not a mere negative receptacle for your story but a positive ally on the other hand there are those who hold that a singular and prime friendship dissolves all other obligations whatsoever and that secrets betrayed are the greatest sacrifices possible upon the altar of love montaigne says the secret i have sworn not to reveal to any other i may without perjury communicate to him who is not another but myself there are few friendships nowadays so close as his with etienne de la boetie who himself would not so much as lie and jest theirs was one of the great friendships of history but there is much casuistry used by those who would manifest their importance in knowing mysterious things they obey the letter of the law and tell without really telling letting the truth leak out in wise hints and suggestions or they tell part of a tale and hoodwink themselves into thinking that they have violated no confidence yet nothing is so dangerous as half a truth it is like pulling one end of a bow-knot sooner or later it is inevitable that the hearer will come across the other side and the cat will be out of the bag but some secrets have so great a fiction interest or such sensational psychology that one is quite unable to refrain from telling the tale without names or localities perhaps merely for the story's sake this is perhaps permissible when one really tells for the study of human nature rather than as gossip it is dangerous always but a clever person can so distort certain details that the true characters can never be traced 
for myself i would never demand absolute confidence for i would never tell anything to anybody whose discretion i could not absolutely trust and a friend can as often aid one by telling at the proper time as by keeping silent some secrets are told only for the purpose of being repeated what one cannot tell oneself one must get others to tell for one and this trick is the theme of many a farce women understand this perfectly it is their code and men laugh at it feeling themselves superior the three quickest ways of communication cynics say are telephone telegraph and tell a woman women are notoriously fond of secrets it is their only chance for romance no man who desires to obtain a woman's affection should forget this not that it is necessary to initiate her into your affairs but you will as soon as possible see that something happens which she may consider it wise not to tell cement her interest with some lively secret that ties you to her irrevocably so that she cannot come across your photograph or your letter without a knowing smile there are those too who hold that their own idea of a secret's importance is the excuse for divulgence or defence but a man of honour will keep the secret of a child as closely as that of an intimate friend the ass who surrounds his every narration with mystery and takes needless precautions has his rights and though you may hear the tale at the next corner you are still bound to silence some respect their own secrets but not those of others and have no compunctions against wheedling out a confidence from a weak acquaintance thereby becoming accessory to the fact of his faithlessness a secret discovered should be held as sacred as a secret confided the desire to tell secrets is one of the most contagious of diseases and few of us are immune some vigorous moral constitutions never succumb but once an epidemic begins it is hard work stopping it and a secret on the rampage is well-nigh irresistible tell your secret then broadcast and let it have its way until it dies out or else lock it in your own heart but above all confide it not to her who asserts that she never has the slightest desire to tell for there like a seed sown in fertile ground it will germinate and flower long after you have forgotten it ay and bring forth fruit you never planted end of essay thirty four end of the romance of the commonplace by gillette burgess